0: This is Big Ideas, Birkbeck's free public lecture series where academics bring their research out to local communities around London, sharing the exciting and innovative work that happens at Birkbeck and opening up the world of research and universities. The series is organised by Birkbeck's Access and Engagement team who support underrepresented groups of people to apply and succeed here at Birkbeck, University of London. This podcast will introduce you to the upcoming Talks in the Big Ideas series. Our researchers will give you a preview of what's in store and hopefully entice you along to their event. If you like what you hear today and want to come along, you can find the details in the web link in the description of the podcast. We'd love to see you there. Hello, I'm Sophie Swain, Outreach and Access Officer at Birkbeck. Today I'm talking to Dr. Mark Panton, whose research explores how stadium-led regeneration affects the local community. Mark's Big Ideas talk will be on th- Tuesday, 15th of January, at City and Islington College's Centre for Lifelong Learning in Finsbury Park. So I'm here with Dr. Mark Panton, and um, we are in North Tottenham. Mark, could you tell us a little bit more about what we're doing out here, where, where we are, where we're going?
1: Um, wandering around in... Uh... <laughs> Without any any plan, but um, we well, just come from the, the library across the road. We're outside the stadium. there's a new shop here, which um, I don't think is open yet, but it's um, supposed to be one of the largest um, shops connected to a football stadium in in Europe. It looks quite snazzy. Mm. Um, so everything on this side of the road looks quite new and glass and big and on the other side of the road. Um, it's all due to be demolished basically. we just come across the road from the library, locally funded library, which is um, due to be knocked down as part of High Road West. So kind of about, probably runs to about 100, 200 yards up the high road opposite the stadium is an area which is all kind of due for, for demolition.
0: Right, well, we've had a look at um, the area, so um, we'll head inside um, and find somewhere to, to ask you some questions about your research, if that's OK? OK, yeah, no <laughs> right, problem. Well, thank you. Could you just start by telling the listeners a bit more about what stadium-led regeneration actually means?
1: So this was something that was tried in areas like Pittsburgh and Denver a number of other places in the 70s and 80s. So it's largely started there as a way of trying to, using sports stadiums as a way of trying to regenerate previously industrialized areas. And because it started in the States quite a while ago, there's been more, more research there. But in, in the States, that research has taken on a, largely a, a quantitative approach. So, so that is, you know, looking at the figures. And uh, much of a kind of promise behind stadium-led regeneration in the states and elsewhere has been about transforming areas economically and, and the, the research in the states comes out pretty much firmly against it. Those uh, academic economists have, have come to a view that any kind of change economically is de minimis when you take into account you know where, where the money is coming from and the overall impact of staging well, a relatively um, few events over the whole year, um, so nonetheless, um, big sporting events and using stadiums to try to regenerate areas has made its way over to this side of the Atlantic. And obviously, the, the, the sort of busiest example of that probably is with the Olympic Games in 2012 in in Stratford, um, but. Also, uh, in a period of austerity, you know, starting around 2008 in this country, local councils have been looking for ways um, to regenerate their own areas in in this country and specifically London where they are deprived of funds and large sporting organisations who might spend money in the area are obviously of interest to um, to local councils.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's what's happened here in Tottenham? Um, yes, yeah, so in, in Tottenham, Haringey Borough Council, like many, lo- like most councils, have been subject to um, cuts in their local budgets, they can't borrow money to build housing, um, and uh, the, the Tottenham stadium, or st- stadium-led regeneration, Tottenham were, goes back to 2010 and perhaps even before that, where they made an application to, to build a new stadium, which which was granted, um, but with certain um, commitments um, to, to public infrastructure spending by by the football club. Um, we then had the, the riots in 2011 in Tottenham, and the sort of need for, for regenerating the area was to be that much greater. Eventually in 2015 the football club were granted planning permission for a 62,000-seater stadium um, and on their old ground to be able to build 585 units and housing units, none of which would be um, social or even affordable housing, so they were all all at a commercial rent and also permission for um, a hotel and something called the, the Tottenham Experience. Um, obviously, the building hasn't started in terms of the, the housing units, but they are near to completion on, on building the stadium. Yeah,
0: and so how did you personally come to, to do this research?
1: Um, I think I, I finished a master's in 2011. I was kind of particularly interested to st- on, on the use of sporting events and, and stadiums and I thought there was, what, what could possibly be wrong with building a new stadium or holding major sporting events and I kind of looked at the Commonwealth Games in Manchester in 2002 and when you dig a bit deeper there are lots of problems for local people, it's not an unmitigated good. I think it can be um, you know, good for a local area but you need to take into account the people that are already there um, and so having completed looked into it a bit in East Manchester in relation to the Commonwealth Games. Um, At the same time as I was looking at doing a PhD, uh, Manchester City were were looking at building a a new training complex in East Manchester and Tottenham were applying for planning permission for their their new stadium. Um, So it looked like a viable option to investigate how local people um, in two different sites we were able to engage or participate in the, what, what are, in relation to, to where they live, you know, massive developments uh, and to compare and contrast to some extent what went on in, in each of these two different areas.
0: And, and how did you actually do that? What methods did you
1: employ? It, it, it was largely um, or almost exclusively a qualitative approach. And so that involved uh, trying to interview local people or uh, as you know for the thesis uh, worked around local stakeholders so trying to speak to as diverse a group as possible so at both sites um, representatives of the football club if possible um, local councillors um, people who lived near near the stadium, uh, uh, so, so residents, people who ran businesses around there, um, to try and get as diverse a set of views uh, as possible, and obviously including representatives of the football club. And also by attending local meetings, there's also lots of different planning meetings going on, uh, community groups getting together to try and have their say. So. Trying to interview a diverse group of people at each of the sites, but also trying to attend community meetings, meetings organised by the local council, um, meetings organised by the football clubs. There's lots of webcasts of council meetings now that you can get hold of. Um, so trying to get as many different um, views on these developments as, as possible. Really.
0: Yeah, and how would you summarise those those findings? I mean, think mine. <laughs> First of all, kind of what was the impact that you found on, on local people? What did they have
1: to say? Both the councils and the football club seemed to go about them in slightly different different ways. In, in East Manchester, there, there seems to be a lot of consultation. People spoke about supporters of the football club, local people uh, spoke about being consulted out, i.e. Right. they had enough of consultations. Okay. I saw this for myself at a library consultation where, in East Manchester, where virtually in Bezig where virtually nobody turned up and, and the council representative was very keen to get my views mm-hmm. even though I'd come all the way from London and they, they weren't really, not really relevant. Um, whereas in, in Tottenham, although the council and the football club will say that they, they've consulted fully, a lot of people locally felt it was very hard to get their voice heard and you hear this regularly about Consultations on, on lots of planning applications. That, in, in carrying out those consultations, certainly the council had already made up its mind what it wanted to do, yeah. and questions were framed to, to to drive people down a particular way. But also there were issues in this area with that sort of consultation, in as much as you know there's a very diverse population. So people speak lots of different languages, sure. um, and very often those consultation documents I I think they were were printed in English and they were printed in Turkish because there's a large Turkish community but they weren't printed in any other language I don't think Um, and it was difficult for people to get hold of those those documents and people have told me that there just simply weren't enough um, consultations uh, which were printed in Turkish people were photocopying their own versions of it so people didn't realise what was going on, on on the other side of the high road? What is now part of what's called the High Road West development.
0: I see, so consultation had slightly different sort of impact in both the sites that you looked at.
1: I think it was more transparency in East Manchester. Both the council and the football club were, were far more open about what was going on. Um, the Manchester City held monthly meetings with businesses, with local residents about their development and any other issues that local people had this seemed to be lacking to a large extent with, with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, an example of that was was, you know, doing some preparation before going to interview a member of the supporters Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust looking on the website of the football club and at one point that hadn't been updated for a year there was no new information. Now that maybe the football club will say you know not very much was going on mm. but there must have been some material yeah. you know whether that was litigation over archway metal or there would have been information which they they, they could have provided it's just one instance of um the process in, in Tottenham seeming to be a bit more closed off and, and that you know that's certainly being a view of numbers of local people yeah
0: and how did that kind of, how did people feel about that?
1: Um, I, th- I think there's certainly um, so Tottenham. Uh, um, mo- you know, most most people who li- live around here are Spurs supporters, and they would say that they're supporters of the football club. Although you know, they probably can't afford the, the price of tickets even before the new stadium was built. Um, so there was a degree of frustration, and for some people, anger that they weren't being told what was going on, and also that the football club were kind of very much on the other side of the street from Matt, you know there, there was a degree of anger and frustration over this the, the original demand for the council football club pay a section 106 contribution of, of 17 million pounds or 16.7 million pounds into the community to, to offset some of the issues around the new stadium um, the football club got a, a financial viability report said the stadium wasn't viable with those kind of um, uh, financial demands from the council. The council got their own financial viability report which agreed with that, and very little of which is in the public domain. But this, at the same time as this was happening, uh, Spurs were selling Gareth Bale to Real Madrid for 100 million euros, so people found that sort of juxtaposition a, a, a bit odd that a football club could on one hand mm-hmm. have so much money coming in but on the other hand I was unwilling to, to put any money into the community in. yeah. and and you
0: mentioned that you met with representatives
1: from Spurs as well I, I was able to do interviews with a couple of representatives of, of uh, Manchester City Football Club and they also let me sit in on a couple of those meetings uh, that they held, firstly with residents and secondly with businesses with um Tom Hotspur they were much more closed. I attended one meeting with a community group called our Tottenham um, With the football club um, At which they, they were talking at cross-purposes really um, and I repeatedly asked for in- interviews with the sort of sort of head of community engagement and just having, having given me his card at that meeting and said he'd be happy to do an interview I was never able to do an interview with, with anybody directly from the club, although they, they obviously do say things on record and um, you know their their views are kind of made clear through planning applications etc. and they they would argue that they they you know it's entirely privately funded what they're doing and they're putting you know the original estimate four hundred million for a stadium and the estimates are now kind of. 800 million and and upwards, so the the football club would argue that they are putting a lot of money into the local community when nobody else was doing that. But it would have been nice to be able to get somebody from the football club to come along and say those things.
0: Yeah. So I think you've provided us with a really interesting um, summary of some of the challenges around conducting research, Um, obviously the reason why we're here having this chat is because you're presenting one of the Big Ideas lectures for us on uh, Tuesday the 15th of January at City and Islington College. Um, what can listeners who might want to come along to talk expect from that event? What would you like people to take away?
1: It's it's partly, um, you know, it's not just about me, not just about me talking, but <clears throat> an opportunity for, for again, local people to, to have their say. And I'm keen to kind of get their views on what they think of stadium-led regeneration. You know, I, I've done my research, there's quite a bit of literature in the States on the kind of economic aspects of it, but I'm, you know, this this, area around Finsbury Park directly and and wider is is obviously very near to um, both the development in, in Tottenham and before that development, Arsenal's, Arsenal's new stadium, and not so far away from from Stratford. Okay. So I'm kind of keen to hear what people's views, whether they think stadium-led regeneration works, you know, what's what are their experiences of it. And so hopefully we can get some responses at the beginning of, of, of the session. Um, I can do a bit of talking about my research um, and see if people's views um, have changed, you know, revisit those questions towards the end of the session, um, and, and see what people think then. So it's a an opportunity to come along, hear a bit about what the re- about about my research, um, both what's happened in the past outside of this country, and more directly um, some of the areas around um, around London, and also, you know, for for me to hear what what people think about what's happened there.